Welcome to episode 91 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Christine, Alice, and Carol. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Christine, Alice, and Carol for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Are you afraid to trust others? Do you hesitate to share personal details? Are you trustworthy? Today, we're going to talk about trust. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of trust. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you'll find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Mara and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Spencer. How are you today, Spencer? Well, I'm a little bit tired. Uh, It's been a long day for me, but I'm glad to be here. That's great. I'm glad you're here too. (laughs) (laughs) The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, trust. Following a short break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend, and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I picked a reading. Um, I went to the Al-Anon Blueprint for Progress, our Step 4 workbook, the inventory workbook, and there's a whole chapter about trust, and there's a reading at the beginning of that chapter. By working Al-Anon's 12 steps, we learn how to trust a higher power, ourselves, and other people. Just how fast we learn to trust depends on our ability to relinquish control, a control we actually did not have in the first place. In chaotic situations, we learn to trust a power greater than ourselves to take care of us and our loved ones, whether they are drinking or not. We trust that there is always hope. Eventually, we learn to trust our own instincts and our new way of thinking. As our behaviors and attitudes change, we may meet resistance. It can be difficult to trust ourselves. In Al-Anon, we are learning not only to trust our higher power, ourselves, and our fellow members, but also that we deserve to be trusted. At first, those around us may be doubtful of our new attitudes, but we can earn their trust as well. As I said, my name is Mara, and let's start our discussion on trust. There was a lot in that reading, Spencer. Did anything strike you immediately while you were reading? You know, the, the, um, the one that I think I still have trouble with sometimes is trusting myself. Um, And when I got to this, eventually we learned to trust our own instincts and our new way of thinking. I was like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Right. But there's a, there's a whole bunch of different kind of trust in that short, in that short reading, trust in a power greater than ourselves, trust in other people. Um, and earning the trust of other people as well as trust in ourselves, but also that we deserve to be trusted. I mean, just, wow. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think let's start with trusting ourselves. Uh, The questions in Blueprint for Progress divided up, I think, quite well, Mm -hmm. where um, 
that question of when do you have trouble trusting, I mean, beginning with trusting ourselves, I think is a good first place to start. And then they divide it up into, do you have a higher power you can trust and can others trust you? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to trusting ourselves, I mean, for me, I find that is what the program is all about. Um, aside from trusting a higher power, but I think a lot of the trusting in a higher power is in a lot of ways for me, um, trusting the, the quieter voice instead of a lot of what are very loud voices that have been, um, that I've incorporated. And there's, they're certainly a part of, a part of me. Um, but my real voice in a lot of ways is usually not as harsh it's a lot more compassionate. It's a lot more loving. It's a lot more wise. Um, and so sometimes that, that quieter voice that's my voice is also the voice of my higher power. I mean, the higher power, I think, um, is sometimes a lot of ways anything that is, that is, or at least for me, it's those things that are a lot more different than those loud voices that have screamed at me for, you know, so long, you know, whether it's the community, the meetings we attend, or, you know, for me, a lot of it is like what you said, um, trusting myself and what methods do I use? What, how do I learn about myself to get in touch with that quiet voice? Yeah. Um, and it's funny um, you know how things sometimes just come together in in our lives. And this morning, uh, I was so I was visiting my family um, in the, basically in the city I grew up in. I mean, not exactly, but the general area. And this morning, um, I really made it a point to uh, get up in time to go to church before I got on the road to come home. And the 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 sort of the sermon sermon was not really a sermon it was more of a a prayer that the minister led us through this form of prayer which starts out with um starts out with sort of visualizing putting your hands in a cup and visualizing putting in that cup all of the things that you like about yourself the way in which the ways in which you love yourself and that is still kind of hard for me I think it's easier than it used to be. And, and I think that trust in myself, I don't think I can trust the, the, the parts of me that, that I don't love. Does that make sense? Uh, she. Hmm. Oh, that's, you know, that's a hard question. Um, because sort of the things that I came up with on the spot were, um, several of them were about things that I do rather than things that I am. And, and she spoke about, you know, the difference between be a human being and a human doing and that, and that this is to help us find our human being part rather than our doing part. Um, 
I, I, you know, I went back in part, I went back to the thing I talked about last week where, um, this, um, man at the retreat told me that he could tell that I really cared about people and that, that, you know, that is something that I like about myself. It is something also that I have to be careful not to, you know, have too much of that, um, to, to have that take me in, in wrong directions. Um, but there are still places in me, and I think it's, it's hard for me to sort of trust my instincts, if you will, which I, I guess is trusting my higher power also, that is hard. Um, I am often looking for external validation for my choices before I decide that they're good choices. So in that sense, I'm not, I'm definitely not trusting myself. I'm not trusting myself to make good choices for myself. I need somebody else to say, Oh yeah, that, that sounds good. Well, I think to a certain extent you're, you're touching on something that is, is a lot of the reason why we come to the program in the first place, which is that I think a lot of us came from environments that were unsafe where the outside never confirmed anything about what we felt. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of betrayal and also where we had to be sort of vigilant for in a lot of ways, um, you know, my sponsor likes to say that in a lot of ways, you know, we're all, we tend to be more hypercritical and we tend to see the differences in the places where we don't connect mm -hmm. because those were sometimes the things that kept us alive in the environments that we we're in. Yeah. And I think when we keep those, we, you know, part of learning to trust ourselves is to do inventories, but to be able to dissect out where now we're wronging ourselves mm -hmm. by holding on to those those old um, the, instincts the, that that protected us. Those other voices from the past that have gotten into our psyche. That's yeah. Um, which I I think about my childhood. I think about my growing up, and you know. To a large extent, I feel like I was loved and safe, but um, I can identify some things. Uh, my my father is a somewhat critical person. He's a loving person, but he's also, you know, his his way of doing things is the right way. And if you're not doing things his way, then you're wrong. And he was never exactly. I mean, never overtly violent about it, although sometimes the, the tone of voice and the loudness would definitely was... was. And I know my sister has talked about having been scared by him, so um, it, it probably hit her harder than it did me. Uh, but I think I inter I've internalized that as self-criticism to some extent. Um, and then, you know, I was good in school. I was not good in athletics, and so... I think I've internalized some of those voices of gym teachers saying, why the hell can't you, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and my friends, uh, 
picking me last for the baseball team or whatever kind of thing. Or maybe second to last. Maybe there was somebody else who they felt was worse than me. I don't know. So I think I've internalized some of that. Um, but I, I got, you know, good, solid feedback from my teachers as far as I can remember. I mean, it's just, so where is, where is this voice coming from? I, I'm still kind of, and, and maybe it doesn't really matter for me where it's coming from. If I can, um, you know, hand it over to, to my higher power and, and just um, get past it. And, uh, you know, I can see that working. And I was listening to an open talk. I listened to a lot of things in the car today as I was driving for, you know, eight hours. And uh, I was listening to an open talk where this, um, I lost my train of thought. Hang on. Um, Oh, yeah. She was talking about um, doing doing a fourth step, like maybe once a year and watching it get smaller. And I thought, you know, that's a good reason to do it again, (laughs) to look at it and say, hey, it's smaller. (laughs) Right. I think, well, I think there's always a good reason to do fourth step, especially yearly. Um, I mean, for me, um, this week I was definitely reminded about how much – my mind and sometimes it's hard to almost admit it. And sometimes it's hard to admit it and to give it up and, you know, in a, in a third step, you know, to turn it over Mm -hmm. because, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to give up that control that you talked about. Or I also, you know, there's this, thing. Whereas we do have to face reality. I mean, a lot of times these delusional stories that for me, my mind wants to keep me in fear, Mm -hmm. wants to keep me in misery and wants to keep me in lies because that's what I know. That's what's familiar. And that's what also, I think to a certain extent, um, you know, I have a love hate relationship with, with feelings. (laughs) Um, because the physical reality and the physical connection and when I can, when I can experience it, um, it actually does feel really good, but also physical reality can come with a lot of pain and disappointment. But honestly, somebody was talking in in a meeting, um, last night about the second arrow that, I don't know, some philosophy talks about um, where the first arrow is whatever hurt you and the second arrow is what you do to yourself Mm, afterwards. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think um, for me, a lot of my, my childhood had a lot of violence Mm. um, and my childhood had, my childhood had um, a lot of situations where I had to think ahead and be hypervigilant for my own survival. And that mental habit is very hard to break. Um, and you know, I had a situation this week where there was a person that I had to have a conversation with that I've been kind of obsessing about for the past couple months. And, um, the conversation itself was actually wonderful and loving and gentle and friendly and inspiring. And I came out of it feeling fearless, Mm -hmm. you know, that there was this, 
when the thing is in front of me, (laughs) I'm fine. Like when the conflict is in front of me or, or whatever thing I'm afraid of is in front of me, I'm fine. Hmm. But for me, the problem is, I think my issues around trust and intimacy that we talked about before are around this sort of mental process of fear and betrayal that my mind is sort of hardwired <laughs> in that way. And so for me, it's really hard that when I'm alone or when I'm trying to do focus or when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to eat, that my mind, my sponsor likes to say, my mind is out to kill me <laughs> mm. with imagined, imagined threats. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Oh, I know it I makes, it makes like a lot of sense. Talking in a circle. <laughs> no. But I just think for me, that's where a lot of my, my trust and sort of the, the tools of the program, easy does it, keep it simple, let go and let God, like these things, even though they're so simple, yeah. like that's what my mind needs because I, I, the, the fear that was built, especially for those of us who are in the program, I think who came from violence where the truth was not allowed, where secrecy was was everything, and, and as a child you had to sort of survive. Like those are those build in some things that I think take a long time to undo. Yeah, yeah, and and as you were talking, I mean, I can identify a lot of that in my own thinking. I, I don't think it's necessarily to the the level that you describe but it's it certainly is there um i'm i'm conflict avoidant um and part of that may be in not in not trusting myself to be able to just handle and and like you say uh, when i get there when it's actually happening i can be fine it's the anticipation, um, the yeah, the anticipation of all the things that could go wrong, which is, I guess, also not maybe not trusting in my higher power to take care of me. Yeah. Say more about that yeah. about that your higher power taking care of you. Um, and and another way in which I think. I have trouble trusting myself uh, is sort of second guessing myself and um, beating myself up and, and taking blame on myself for things that actually may or may not be, have anything to do with anything I did. Uh, But, because of maybe what I had thought about whatever was happening, then I believe, oh, well, that was obviously my fault. I obviously screwed up there. Uh, and and that may or may not be true, and I don't, I'm not able to let go of that. Um, I heard somebody talk about that process as wronging ourselves. Yeah. Where we're saying... Well, was I wrong? <laughs> Am I doing this wrong? <laughs> Did I do that wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah. that must have been me doing something wrong. Yeah. I, and I liked that. It just seemed like such a, a compact phrase. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, when you were talking about the arrows, uh, mm. somebody in one of my meetings, and, and a couple of people have picked this up and repeated it since, talked about, you know, if somebody shoots an arrow at me, I don't have to pick it up and stick it in myself. And that that's sort of this that sort of the you know the first arrow is the one that gets shot and the second arrow is the one you stick in yourself. Mm-hmm. Except in that in that particular metaphor, they're the same arrow. But you know, it, it, the idea is the same. I think, uh, and uh, and we do do that. Um, so how about right. trusting other people? Um, and and I know you know we get out of, outside of ourselves and. Um, I was thinking back to um, Akila's phone call last week where she was talking about uh, something her mother said about when she would um, reveal herself to the alcoholic in her life that then that person would often sort of pick it up and throw it back at her. And I definitely have had that. And I think that, you know, the fear of that uh, can keep me from from being open, from being intimate, hey, and from trusting. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought that I think, I mean, as babies, we, we trust, we certainly, we trust our parents, and I'm not sure how much we distinguish our parents from the rest of the world. I mean, babies trust everybody. When they when they first come into the world, um, and and we learn not to trust. We learn not to trust people of, from various experiences. I, that's that's my that's that's the way I look at it anyway. Well, I mean, I really related to what you were saying earlier about like external validation, mm-hmm. which for me, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us didn't receive the kind of love and nurturing and a lot of us are in this program to learn how to trust and Mm -hmm. to learn how to love and be loved I think a lot of us have messed up ideas about responsibility and what is a parent and what is a this and like I just don't know what I'm doing here and so for me in a lot of ways though I think that I avoid my own internal landscape and the job of trusting myself and I give it I give that job to others and to, and I think that's sometimes where my crazy comes from, where I I then blame them for the intimacy and trust that I need to have with myself and my own judgment that, you know, there is another person here. Like I I'm here Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's not just all about them and it's not just all about me. You know, it's finding that, that middle, middle ground and also, at least for me, that middle ground is a lot more about learning about something that has just, that is definitely something that just came to me when I came into the program, which is um, letting there be room, like a lot more space around anything, any relationship, any, anything in my life for things to come together and fall apart. Like Mm. that there's these natural cycles and things. And, you know, maybe that's more faith than trust. I don't know if we're just, if we're mincing words here. (laughs) Where does faith end and trust begin or vice versa? I know. Where does intimacy 
start yeah. addressing. I mean, these yeah. are questions that I started thinking about. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, those are two. Because <laughs> yeah. once you get into the complications of it, then, then I'm just getting into my mind again. But, um, yeah. you know, to let there be, because for me, again, a lot of it is these small like where the the marriage relationship gets really small or the family relationship gets really small and tight and, and, and suffocating. And when I start to make things, you know, when I need that person to text me back and tell me why they, they texted the thing from last night, you know, that's when I know that like I'm in my crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and those things about, you know, my job is to learn to open and leave more room and more space for people to be human, for me to be human, and that that's okay, that that's not going to kill me. You know, there isn't going to be violence if I let someone, you know, like that. By the way, I just have to say that we are doing courageous work. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of people don't even, they don't even do that. They don't even ask these questions or get the opportunity to ask these kinds of questions. I I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I had a lot of time to think today and and I was I was thinking okay so you know what what are some incidents where I felt that you know trust had been broken that uh, might have led me to be less trustful of people and and I got to this place of um thinking about a situation where one way of expressing it is I trusted this person to act in a certain way and they didn't. And then I thought, is that trust or is that expectation? You read my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, no, this is really, I trust you to act this way. No, I expect you to act this way. Um, And, and that gets me in trouble. And that did get me in trouble. And and you were sort of, uh, I forget exactly what you were saying, but something in there where you were talking, um, you know, it was like where me putting some of, me putting the responsibility for keeping me whole into somebody else's hands without telling them kind of thing. Um, I don't know exactly what you said, but that's, and I didn't say it very well either, but this idea that 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 we give we give we give power to other people and and sometimes we do it unwittingly um, and then um, you know other people maybe they don't even know they have that power and so then they do something and we're like ah you violated my trust well no i gave you something you shouldn't have gotten <laughs> well but things being right things being right sized yeah yeah like much, those of yeah. us who have have grown up with where everything uh, I mean, I, I was talking to someone this week and they were talking about um, how uh, when they uh, they were talking about how they have some alcoholic relatives and um, these relatives have children. And when they make commitments to these children, uh, this person who was talking to me, he was saying how difficult it is. Uh, he didn't use those words, but what I got was that it was very difficult for him to know how to even commit, how to commit when he has a job and a life and sometimes he has to cancel. Mm-hmm. And, but because the kids have been growing up in an alcoholic home, 
you know, the second that you have to cancel or life has to be, you know, uh, life, which is you have to be flexible. You have to be resilient. Things, things change and move and are ever, ever changing. You know, that the kids, if he ever has to cancel, the kids freak out because they grew up in an alcoholic home where nothing was right sized. Mm. You know, where if somebody loses an iPhone, it's the end of the world and the people get shouted at and verbally abused and maybe physically abused and anybody around them, the alcoholic is, you know, screaming at. And this is what these children think of as like life, (laughs) normal, where actually, you know, people lose phones and it happens and it sucks and we have emotions around it, but nobody should get you know, abused for it. But it's just this situation where yeah. right finding the right sized um is is I think harder. Yeah. Hard. And we're gonna make mistakes, right? We're gonna it's a pendulum swing. We're gonna hit both sides of the walls and that's the only way we're gonna find what the middle is. And I think that's a tr- for me that's a trusting process too, which is that when I go, you know, too much to one side, expecting too much of other people or all the way to the other side of isolating myself, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's okay. Like when I can trust and say, trust myself in that moment and trust other people that the right people will allow me space to make mistakes and that those are the people I want in my life, you know, trusting that process. Does that make any sense uh, in terms of what you're, you're talking about in relationships? Um, it makes sense, and I think it connects. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, I kind of went from where you were talking to um, the question of how I gain other people's trust and ah. how I become trustworthy, and and that in that situation, your friend that you were talking about there's a he's he's in a tough place because there's a a really low bar to be considered not trustworthy um in that situation and i know for me one of the things that i had to learn as i started and when i, I when i got when i came into alanon i started sort of um reaching out of my life in other ways than, than I had before, which had been very constrained and very much about sort of work and immediate family. And I found myself eventually overcommitted to where I, I said I would do something and then I actually didn't have the time or the energy to do it or to to do it properly or even to do it at all. Um, and it took, you know, some, it took an incident where I had committed to be a mentor to a young, uh, a boy and that then I was not able to, to follow through on the full um, extent of the responsibilities of that position uh, to, for me to realize that, that I was overcommitting and that I was making myself be not trustworthy there. Um, and I think I'm probably harder on myself than the people around me were, but um, I, you know, that's because I know what's going on inside my head and they don't. Uh, <laughs> and because I'm hard on myself. 
Uh, and but I guess that's where like a step four comes in. Like, what is yeah. really my part? Right. You know, my part is to probably, it sounds like whatever you were in that moment, if you communicated it to the, to the person that you were committed to. Of course I didn't. No. <laughs> what are you, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I'm just saying this question about like, um, you know, what is the responsibility? And I think for us, we think our responsibility is to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. And if we can't be, you know, we don't have the, uh, the language, the idea for, well, actually, what is the real responsibility, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think what I learned there uh, is that it, it can be better to say no at the beginning than to say yes and then to not be able to follow through on that yes. And, and that somebody might be, if I, I say no to, to a request, somebody might be disappointed, but if I say yes and then I, I don't um, do what I said I would do, they're more disappointed, uh, perhaps. I think that's, and, that, and that, that's what I'm, tr- you know, I try, to, I try to bring that in. And, and when I look at taking on a new responsibility, or when I look as I did a couple of weeks ago and discover that, whoa, my life is too full here, um, that I can be straightforward and upfront about whether I can actually do something, whether whether I can be trusted to do something. And I think that by saying no when I can't do something, um, I think that helps me to gain other people's trust that I will follow through on the things that I say I'm going to follow through on. And, you know, I don't know, you know, your friend's case, if, if I, he's concerned that he might have to cancel or that he does have to cancel at times. And, and, you know, possibly if I was in that situation, I might, uh, when when there was a time that it it seemed like there was a higher higher likelihood that I might not be able to make it, I might say that ahead of time, uh, and maybe that doesn't help. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think to a certain extent we can't ever protect fe- people from feeling feelings. Oh yeah, well that's true. You know, that's true. I mean, feeling feelings of no matter how much footwork in the beginning. If I think. <laughs> you know, to prevent someone yeah. to be disappointed from a right. possible eventual, you know, so I think, you know, for me, I, it always comes back to self care and, yeah. you know, and I think that's what you're talking about is knowing your own limits and knowing how you want to show up in the world. Yeah. And, what are your limits to, uh, you know, your ability to, to, I don't want to say keep disappointing someone, but your ability to, to tolerate, you know, when are, when are you sh- showing up in the world the way, to, you know, being the person that you, that you want to be? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, for me, I think that for me personally, I, all I can do is do the footwork and let go of the results. Like for me, I feel like I'm still at some very like simple, <laughs> basic parts about the program where, you know, what are my values? You know, my personal things I, I value about, um, you know, 
showing up, trying, you know, continuing to try, allowing myself to make mistakes when I, when I can't show up, you know, but then not worrying about the results. And, and sometimes the results are that people, people get hurt. But yeah. I think that if I, if I act, if I'm, because I think that's more trusting. I think that's trusting that people are human and that they can handle it and that they can take care of themselves. But I think that for me, it's an old childhood fear to act as if the people around me are crippled, you know, like my, um, you know, my mom was, Mm -hmm. um, that if I'm acting for the results, you know, that I think is me doing a disservice to the other person. And I think sometimes, um, if people are used to more codependency, that that's, that's hard in a relationship, um, on either on my side or on the other person's side. But then I get to, then I get to find out really for real, whether that person is someone I want in my life, yeah. you know, cause I can't be a different person for every, everybody. I think I, I mean, I, I think that the steps kind of teach you who you are and, kind of give you a way to show up as that person over and over again. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, you know, we had an um, email from Ruth about, about trust. I think maybe I want to read that here. Yeah. She says, Hi, Spencer and co-host. I realize that I have to trust a person to be able to develop a deeper, rewarding relationship. But how do I find a person? How do I learn to trust? In the past, I pretended to be open, but in truth, I just decided that whatever happened would not affect me. That's not trust, but desperation. So what I do more now is first I take time to get to know a person and then taking small steps. I share a small thing and observe how the person is handling it, and so I proceed. After a time, I have different trust levels with different people, which I assume is okay. I take for myself, not trusting people in an area where they are not worthy, but I'm able to maintain a relationship in another area. I let other relations grow slowly in, in an overall trusting relationship. Thank you so much for your service. I'm looking very much forward to listening to the next episode, Ruth. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about um, the most recent time I did um, a fifth step I started it with my sponsor, and then um, for personal reasons in his life, he wasn't. We weren't able to finish it, and so um, I asked another person in the program if they would receive my my fifth step. and And I had talked to this person sometimes before about um, some other things that were going on, and so I had a certain level of trust. Uh, but what I found was. I thought I had a pretty thorough fifth step, you know, and we went through it and talked about it. And and then a few weeks later, I thought of something else that wasn't in there that I had, you know, and I had to go back. And I think that that was, that was me sort of trying to protect myself because this was something that I felt more shame about. And so it didn't even get in the list because I didn't know whether, you know, I think I didn't know how this person would respond um, to me sharing that. And so having done the easier stuff, if you will, then I could go back and I could do this harder thing. Um, 
and uh, and so that's that was what I thought of in my in sort of in my personal experience from what Ruth had to say. How about you? Was that did you think that you were taking time with that person to build trust the way Ruth is talking about? I don't think I was necessarily doing it consciously, but looking back, I I feel like that that is was sort of happening unconsciously that that you know, I just I wasn't necessarily trusting that the person to um you know, it's this fear thing like if I admit this this blot on my on my past, then you're not going to like me, right? And oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and so, it's easier for me to just go right past it, not say anything, um, until until I can have confidence that that in fact, you know, when I when I admit it, that you're you're not going to turn and run screaming or whatever. I mean. Not run screaming, but no. Know, I know give exactly me that. Give me that look. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> well, for me, I just assume. I mean, because I just have a feeling that happens to me where where I associate. You know, like when we talked about in the intimacy episode, that as I get more and more intimate, that things get more and more complicated, <laughs> mm. and um, and I like to verbalize that though in a way which is that. Oh, they'll get to know me and then they'll find out I'm broken and they'll, they won't want to, you know, I do a lot of basically blaming, blaming the other person for basically what is my own overcomplication and hyper-awareness challenge. Um, but a longtime memory member once, you know, said to me when I was talking to her about some relationship, that something that has really stuck with me that is really important to me, which is just that, that thing that Ruth was talking about, which is that trust just takes time to build. Mm-hmm. And I, I was reading, um, a, a book that's not program literature, so I, I won't give the title, but, um, we're not in a meeting. Written... You can, if you want. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's just, it's the introduction to uh, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism by uh, Chungyam Trumpa Rinpoche. Um, and he's writing in, I think that book was written in the 80s, uh, 70s or the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how we live in a very in-demand society, uh, you know, push-button <laughs> society. And it's really funny because he was writing about... Um, these these issues, you know, even back then when the world was a thousand times slower. Mm-hmm. And now I find that I get into, I find this challenge a lot with the sort of speed of trust um, mm-hmm. in, um, in dating. <laughs> because I am dating and I often find that uh, these people I'm dating want everything upfront and immediate and uh, they want some sort of, or I feel that there is an expectation often of a kind of inhuman push button immediate thing that, um, an immediate kind of relationship they want, you know, passion and things like all upfront and uh, just like immediately, which to me, what I've learned in the program and what's helped me very much is sort of this again right size what is human what is really a human expectation 
And for me, you know, the person, the people in my life that work for me are people that I think understand that trust takes time and people work at different, different paces and, you know, and that's something that's, that's really helped me. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes I feel a little alien because I'm not sure if that's necessarily, you know, the expectations of those around me. And, and I think that's where I have to trust my higher power that the people who come into my life will be those who are right for me. And the program allows me to see more clearly, you know, those who aren't right, which is hard to trust. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to one of my children recently who has gotten into a relation, new relationship and the, the other person was like, well, I'm not really ready for a full-blown relationship. How about we just be friends with benefits? And my my child was like, okay. And then apparently the relationship got really intense really quickly. And, and my child's like, I don't know if this is like, if this is what they mean by friends with benefits, what is a full-blown relationship? <laughs> yeah. And, right. and, I didn't have a good answer at the time, but I had sort of sitting with it thinking, well, maybe in fact the other person's sort of changed their thinking but hasn't said anything, and maybe they actually are feeling like a relationship now. And maybe you should ask. So um, I haven't decided if I'm going to, to uh, suggest this, this approach or not. Because... Um, I it's it's a difficult it's difficult for me with with uh, children who are theor theoretically at least adults now like how much do I inject myself into their life and and you know was that a, a question wanting an answer or was that a rhetorical question I'm not sure when Well I mean I get the idea from that at least that Wow, what an amazing relationship where your child can trust you with something that intimate. Like, considering that we were talking about intimacy a couple weeks ago, and that, you should just, I mean, pat yourself on the back as a parent, because for someone to, to bring, you know, I don't think it's our job to answer other people's questions or, you know, fix that problem or have, you know... Uh, the perfect answer. I think what's exactly. important in that is that is that your child was able to trust you with that and that you guys could be together in that. Like, I don't know what else. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's enough for me. I <laughs> because could... I mean, obviously, that question does need to be asked probably just to the other person in the yeah. relationship, but it's like the answer doesn't really even matter. It's more about, I think, the process there was certainly Which, no way there, certainly no way i could have been that open with my parents i mean just not not happening um why i don't know why but that's that's just the relationship that i had with them um, well i think most people yeah so it still surprises me sometimes that sort of the level at which my kids trust me emotionally wow <laughs> I must have done something to. Did you put that like, in your basket? Did you put that in your basket? No, that's a good thing, though. That is a good thing. I think to that's put a in the big basket. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, raising kids, I would imagine that that 
is the most vulnerable and scary and terrifying thing that a person could do. Oh my God. It takes <laughs> immense courage. And the fact that you've come out of it at this point with that much trust, I mean, what, what else? Yeah. Yeah. Did something right. Um, so do we want to look at any of these other trust questions here? Um, that, or do we think we haven't talked about any of these other trust questions in our sort of rambling? I think a lot of these questions are really interesting, but I don't know that they're questions I have ready answers to. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of them are, I think, about other people's decisions. And maybe I'm, it's so hard for me to focus on myself that a question of how do I determine if someone has lost my trust? Um, or how can I inspire trust? Like I, I think, you know, the word manipulation comes to mind (laughs) because, you know, all I can do is my self care show up as me. And if someone doesn't trust me, that's their free choice. But I I have to allow them to have it. But I, I don't know, like (laughs) this one's a hard, these, some of these questions are hard for me. I actually, I will, I will say that, um, you know, some of the things you were talking about earlier about um, being being your real self, not being a different person for different people. Um, I think that for people who are not, you know, running some kind of agenda, um, who are not, I mean, we're all broken in some way in our relationship skills, but uh, that if you when I am honestly myself and I'm the same person no matter who I'm with, um, I, I think that, that that's something that inspires inspires trust. I mean, I, I, I can't see how it wouldn't, but uh, obviously it, it depends on the other person whether they take that. But that's right. all that I can or do. Whether they, or whether they see that. And I mean, yeah. I think that's... But I think that's one of the scariest things about the program that as you grow and change, you might end up losing the people who don't share your same values, who don't share this way in which we honor people's humanity in the program about Mm -hmm. making mistakes and we can make mistakes or we can be angry at each other and we can still come to each other clearly, cleanly the next time. Like I think for me in a lot of ways, that's hard where as I grow and I feel like in the program, I'm growing so fast that it's bringing up a lot of my issues around loss and grief because some people, some relationships don't work for me anymore. And how do I trust my higher power to bring into my life what I need, what I need. And, you know, I think that question is sort of the question we haven't touched on, which is probably, I think, important about trusting my higher power. I mean, because all I think most of these questions and most of these things that we've been discussing have about a 50% or more (laughs) component of trusting our higher power. For sure. For sure. And, And the only way that I have come to some, some level of trust in that was, is through experience. Um, my own experience and to some extent, um, 
from other people sharing their experience. I think other people sharing their experience with trust in their higher power um, sort of opens me up to seeing these experiences in my own life has opened me up to, to seeing these experiences in my own life. But, um, I'm a show me kind of guy and I, you know, I've had some experiences during my time in the program where I look at that and say, this is nothing I did. Um, you know, this is, this is God, the universe, whatever, taking care of me. How long did that take you? I mean, because it's for sort of some stepwise people who are newer in the program. Like, I mean, what was that kind of process like for you about trusting your higher power? Did you like go back and forth? Did it just take a while or was that like immediately understandable oh, God, for you? No. Immediate. You gotta be kidding. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 um, so first I will, I will refer to episode number 67, um, titled, um, uh, made a decision after step three, uh, where I talk about some of those things that happened in my life, but there were, there, there are some, so there's a, there was, for me, there was a gradual process of seeing that if I opened myself up and listened to what I was hearing in meetings, what I was hearing from the literature, what I was hearing from my sponsor, um, and and took those things that seemed to make possible sense and did them that usually I got a better result than I would have gotten from just following my own stinking thinking. Um, so that sort of was sort of a, um, there's something outside of me, more powerful than me, that if I follow what I get, things will work out better. So that was, that was one thing. And then there, there were sort of specific instants where instant might be more than, you know, bing. <laughs> but there were, there were points of recognition where I said, wow, you know, the day that I was serene all day, I was like, wow, <laughs> uh, I didn't do that, you know? Right. Uh, it it just was and and that what can i attribute that to but following the principles of the program and following um you know what we've laid out and 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 you know higher power in action um you know my wife deciding uh, that she was going to not drink um that's higher power bing um, me seeing her as a lovable person separate from her disease. You know, that's an instant that is burned into my brain. Um, not something I did. Okay. Um, I didn't suddenly decide to see her that way. Uh, so I'm taking that as God working, doing for me what I could not do for myself. Uh, to enable me to love her while she was still sick. Um, you know, there's those sorts of things that happened that that were really like sort of bam. Um, but there was also just this sort of slow, 
gentle, when I let go of my ideas and try your ideas, if you will, and try the ideas that I hear in, in the rooms and, and, and in the literature, um, things work out and that, um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it is. I don't know if I expressed that really well, but. Right. And as you were shown sort of over and over yeah. as you did the work and as you were also aware, since a lot yes. of this program is about awareness that you were able to sort of build that trust over time. You're right. Yes. It's, there's two parts to it. One is in the, and there's the awareness part uh, that things can be happening. Things could have been happening in my life all along and I just wasn't noticing them. Right. Um, and, and, um, the program encouraged me to start to open up my awareness as well. Yeah. So gaining trust and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Um, right. Any final thoughts? Well, I think my only final thought was that I will say that this has been an issue I've been struggling with. And so I think a lot of my thoughts, you know, that I've, talked about with you have been a reflection of my process and, mm -hmm. and where I am. And, and it's what's interesting to me though, is that um, I at least try to build my trust in myself by continually re reminding myself um, that it's about opening up and being seen the trusting that that process works. Yeah. And like when I ask you about your own process with, for instance, trusting a higher power, um, you know, that time is an element, that there are elements that are working and that, you know, my having patience and my having going to meetings and my, you know, that I continue with this practice that wasn't in my life years ago yeah. and that my issues with trust don't mean that, you know, I'm not still going through the process, just like, you know, and try to give myself a little bit of, of credit, you know, each of those little things that we do for ourselves, you know, even just your story about you with your child, that if, that it was just you being there, just showing up that that's, that's important and trusting that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. After a short break, we'll continue with our lives in recovery where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. And we had a little trouble finding music uh, for, this, for this episode. Um, I found a whole bunch of songs about broken trust, uh, which, okay, you know, one of those would be cool. But uh, I want to. The first song that I that I picked out to talk about here uh, is uh, by Depeche Mode. the The title of the song is "Question of Lust," uh, and I find this song um, to be really about how it, essential it is to have trust when you're building an intimate relationship and and trying to keep it strong. And this the chorus to the song um, kind of captures that for me. It's a question of lust. It's a question of trust. It's a question of not letting what we've built up crumble to dust. And it is all these things and more that keep us together. 
In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. What's happening in our meetings and our lives this week? Spencer, how about you? I think I want to start actually with with uh, talking about the church service this morning. And, and actually, with respect to trust, I was thinking as as we were, she was leading us through this this prayer, which had had three parts, and I talked about uh, one part, which was sort of mentally taking the things that we like about ourselves and putting them in the bowl of our hands so that we can treasure them. And the second part was um, finding the things that we're grateful for right now and 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 sort of holding them in prayer. And the third part was to take again with this bowl of the hands to put into it the the bad things that are in our lives right now. And she didn't use the, she had a better word than bad, but that's the word I've got right now and all the good things and seeing the balance uh, that, that there is good and bad in our lives and that, and that, uh, and then accepting the wholeness of our lives and then deciding whether we're going to today, we're going to bless the world or curse the world. Um, was sort of the essence of this prayer that she led us through, and it it was, you know, there was a lot more detail detail to it than that. And she would she would, at each point of those three steps, she would have us close our eyes, and I just thought about what it is to trust that I'm sitting in a room full of people, most of whom I don't know, because this is not my church. This is, you know, it's the church I grew up in, but the people that I knew then are mostly gone and and the ones that are still there are mostly the parents of the people that I grew up with and so um, I know very few of the people in there but I can sit there in that room and I can close my eyes and I can feel perfectly comfortable in doing so and perfectly safe in doing so um, and that and since I knew we were going to be talking about trust this this thought that this is a very trusting action to do this to to you know, sort of leave myself open and vulnerable with my eyes shut um, in the middle of, I mean, everybody else supposedly has their eyes shut too, but who knows, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I could go those places. I don't like to go those places, but I can go those places. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was a, as I said to the, the minister on the way out, I said, thank you so much because I didn't know it, but this, I, was exactly what I needed this morning. And there and there we go, you know, again. I wasn't sure I was going to go to church this morning because um, I was at a party with my sister the night before, and I just didn't know how late we'd be getting to bed, how I'd feel in the morning, whether I'd be able to get up in time to, to make the early service so that I could then um, get back here to home uh, to, to do this podcast. And... and so I did get up in time and I did make it to the service and I needed to be there. It's so obvious to me that I needed to be there. Um, you know, and my higher power made sure that I got there um, by, <laughs> by having me fall asleep at 10 o'clock last night so that I could wake up at seven with, you know, a, a good amount of sleep and feeling pretty rested. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, that was one thing. I I did not make it to 
a couple of my meetings this week because I was traveling. I did make it to a meeting on Friday. And the other part of this trip, and one of the reasons that I took the trip, so I was driving my daughter um, over to the city that she went to college in because one of her favorite professors had died suddenly right after, pretty much right after school let out last year. And they were having a memorial service for him this weekend. And so she was going back for that. And I thought, well, this this is a good opportunity for me to go visit my family, uh, in, in particular my parents, because, um, you know, I've talked about before that my mother's health in particular is, is continuing to to decline. Although on this visit, it it seemed about the same as it had been earlier this year, and that was kind of reassuring. But, um, you know, it's difficult for me. Um, as I said, I, I avoid situations in which I think I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And seeing my mother in the state that she's in makes me uncomfortable. And I think it, that's about fear. It's very clearly about fear of losing her. Uh, it's inevitable, but I don't want it to happen yet. And, and also losing her a little bit at a time. Um, because what's going, a lot of what's going, is her short-term memory is going. Uh, and so I have to learn a new way of being with her. Uh, that is much more in the moment because honestly, she's in the moment. Um, most of the things, if you're having a conversation, it doesn't stick. Um, and that can be really frustrating to me. I think it's also a little bit triggering because, um, you know, when my alcoholic was drinking, uh, short term memory was not a thing. And so I think I, maybe unconsciously see that behavior and, and it takes me back and, and triggers reactions that from, from that part of my life as well. Um, so I went and, um, you know, it was pretty good. It was pretty good because, um, I think I was, I knew, I knew what it was going to be. And, and I was able to be in that mindset of, yes, yeah, she asked this question a couple minutes ago, but to her, this is the first time she's asked it. Um, and I went to a meeting on Friday at noon, sort of in the middle of the visit, which was good because as I was leaving for the meeting, I f felt myself wanting to get a little short with her. And I'm like, yeah, it's time for me to get the hell out of the house and get to my meeting. Um, and so I talked about it at the meeting and a number of other people in the room talked about their experiences as their parents um, went into dementia and and how you know how they felt and how they how they dealt uh, and and that was helpful too. Um, so it was it was a good visit, um, you know. In 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 many ways, it was a good visit, uh, and and also. Uh, my father talked a little bit about the struggle that he's having as the caretaker. And he is so much of the in-charge guy, not asking for help guy, and, you know, where did I learn all that from, right? Um, to to have him opening up a little bit in that way, um, you know, I think brought us a little closer. And I've never felt really close to my father. So this is a new thing for me. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave with that. For me, this week was a 
weird, difficult, odd kind of experience. Uh, I had two experiences that gave me some really huge perspective, happiness, a kind of joy and fearlessness. But what I was mostly sort of confronted with is this kind of um, volatile nature or I don't want to say stuck because I hate that word of my own mind, but that um, doesn't want to hold on to the sort of reality, Hmm. the reality, which is that life is good. Like the, like my higher power, it showed up for me this week and really was trying to send home how much I'm taking care of. Um, I have an opportunity to go back to Europe and it's been something that I've been basically the only thing that's made me happy over these past two months, because these past two months have been a kind of reacclimation and what is my life going to be like? And that's kind of, what is my life, you know, here in America going to be like? Mm-hmm. And that's a big question, which I also haven't been giving myself again, enough space, enough room, but it's this thing where it's my own sort of ego clinging where, you know, it's not that I've been necessarily internal because I've stayed connected. I make, I make calls. I go to meetings. I, you know, I have my sponsor. I have my friends. I go to coffee. I talk about these things though to a certain extent I have been sort of not taking care of myself and that I'm not necessarily doing the sort of key center things to my life. So there's a little bit of kind of deprivation, self-absorption where I, I think I'm just, I've, you know, I've been just sort of, I've been kind of heartbroken and, but through that, the way I've been sort of dealing with it is, you know, the world kind of becomes terrifying and going from being open and broad to being kind of reactive. And I think making things unconsciously, like really trying hard and, you know, working hard to have it not be that way, but also in in that way I'm, I haven't been really having a lot of openness and ease with whatever is happening in life um, which is sort of you know this basic warmth towards myself I've been struggling with that and you know thank God for having the amount of amazing meetings that I get to have um, here and also you know my higher power you know showed up for me this week and um, one of the alcoholics in my life um, a family member, I haven't had contact with um, uh, this particular alcoholic. I haven't had contact in a really long time. A lot of it is because I've been out of the country um, and just, you know, not anything intentional. Um, But, you know, family member, um, you know, told me a story about just how much worse the alcoholism has progressed. Mm. And um, while... Well, my first reaction is one that I, I learned in in a program from also other alcoholics, which is that basically, you know, and I and I, I, I hesitate to admit it, but it's it's hoping that this alcoholic this is what it feels like love to me to say that I really hope they hit their bottom soon so mm-hmm. that they can get this amazing process of getting to rebuild their life, hopefully in AA. And maybe that won't ever happen, but that I do wish it would happen <laughs> yeah. um, because I, I actually, I, I want them to be transformed because I see all the things 
like this is how my this was a big part of my higher power showing up for me this week was showing me like look at someone whose life like look at what making your you know ego clinging making your world really small does you know this is the disease where i have i am so connected i have all this happiness i have i have the steps you know i have choices where when you're stuck in alcoholism or for a lot of us who are stuck in a lot of these lives at home in these um violent homes you know where we didn't have choices mm-hmm. you know somebody shared in a meeting last night where she said oh i have a choice mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i, I didn't have, have i didn't have choices before yeah and um you know it's and i think it's also my higher power really trying to show me that like trying to show me that I'm okay and watching my brain really want to tell my, tell me that I'm not okay and to keep me in that small box. And, and I think that's where when my sponsor says your brain is trying to kill you because it's just telling me lies and it's telling me lies that, you know, end up like, you know, this example of where it goes. Um, so you know, I, I've had, I, I'm really blessed with having, having some amazing meetings. Um, I go to two speaker meetings, um, where people get up and, um, really speak courageously. One, they talked a lot about home and about their struggle, um, with feeling at home and feeling welcomed and how to speak up. Um, which I think in a lot of ways is what we've been talking about. How do we trust other people, you know, so that we can speak up and so that they can have their own journey and feel their own feelings and we can trust that, that, that they'll be okay. Um, and that we don't have to, you know, fix everything (laughs) all the time, this kind of fighting fire with fire rather than, you know, my higher power showing up and saying, Hey, Hey, Hey Mara. Hey, look, look here and look here and look here. No, no, don't look away. <laughs> Cause that's my thing. I want to look away. You know, I want to stay. I want to, someone once called it the death eye. You know, I want, that's what's safe. It's, it's, it's messed up and it's why I'm in this program. But, um, I've been shown a lot of love and inspiration this week and, um, hopefully, hopefully I can allow myself to feel it. Yeah. Upcoming topics for the podcast include caretaking or healthy support and triggers. We welcome your thoughts on these topics. Uh, you can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about our upcoming topics. Spencer, how can people send us feedback on the topics of caretaking or healthy support and triggers? You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of trust or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. 
And our website, which is therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, uh, an occasional blog, links to the music that we talk about, uh, and some links to other recovery podcasts and websites. Um, so, uh, if you and if you'd really like to join the conversation, as uh, Mara did this week, uh, literally, you can be a guest host by phone or Skype or FaceTime or Google Hangout, uh, or I, there's probably some other technology available this week that I don't know about yet. So email feedback at com if you're interested in doing so. We'll take a short break before we uh, look at the mailbag. Our second musical selection, which is also available on the website, is Trust Me by Janis Joplin. And, you know, this uh, takes me back to my, my teenagerhood because that's when I first uh, got introduced to, to Janis Joplin and, and her... Um, I don't know, her bluesy, um, raspy voice uh, just felt really very real to me, I think, at the time. still does. And in this song, uh, she's asking her lover to trust in her to see that it takes time to build a relationship. I think that that echoes uh, some of what we said and what Ruth said about taking time (laughs) to, to find that trust. A few of the lyrics uh, here we got. Oh, my love is like a seed, baby. Just needs time to grow. It's growing stronger day by day. Yeah, that's the price you've got to pay. Trust in me, baby. Give me time. Give me time, please. A little more time. We got um, a number of emails and some website comments this week. We've got a, a long one from Cora Lee. Would you like to read that, Mara? Sure, absolutely. Hello, Spencer, and all at the Recovery Show. My name is Cora Lee, and I live in Australia. And I found your show online about eight weeks ago, just one week into my husband's sobriety. I had attended an AA meeting in his support the week prior, and immediately I felt the relief of finding hope in those AA members' stories. So clearly, Al-Anon couldn't hurt to try, right? I felt all the common fears that my loved one would take a drink, knowing what I should, could say in support without being annoying. The meetings are taking up all his time, lots of caretaking. I was just another of those people I was hearing about in your podcasts. So if hubby was the guy getting the benefits of AA, then I was not missing out. I wanted some of that action too. I attended my first meeting five weeks ago, and I've attended four, and everything was traveling along, each of us becoming aware of ourselves, our actions, our reactions, our love in sobriety, and even what it's like to bicker in sobriety, which was novel. But most of all, I'm learning to stop and considering the steps and slogans I listen to each day via your podcasts. I am feeding myself this and the good is happening. In fact, I don't think if I were my husband that I could have stayed sober eight weeks unless I was attending Al-Anon. Class A, codependent behaviors aplenty down here. But like one of your listeners said, the good is coming in via osmosis. Just last week, we faced the first big hurdle. My husband works away, so he had his first sober trip, and it's usually a given that after work, drinking is the priority with workmates. The night prior to his leaving, I had displayed 
quite by habit, I believe, those same old physical reactions to his going away when all the bad stuff happened more. But with the hugs and tangible love and care at a meeting I attended that night, plus the maintenance of your shows played over and over each day while I'm driving, I was at a place by day one of his trip that made me feel completely empowered when before I felt so out of my much needed yet perceived control. I was happy, busy, but caring of myself and consequently probably a nicer mom, my kids would say. My husband felt it too, I think. So he was able to get on with his own recovery and challenges and did it with great success. Each day I'm thankful, but understand it could change at any time. I've come to a place of complete trust in the process and of letting go, letting God, and the rest I will work on. The only meeting I can get to is once a week, and it's near Hubby's AA meeting, so unless he's home, I can't get there. I would certainly not have made it through my last week with sanity had I not had the podcast to listen to and the strength of my higher power. The recovery show has brought me to more hope than I've felt in years, and I'm coming to understand the behaviors I've, I've engaged in as a result of my learning and living in an alcoholic family, generation upon generation, which, of course, I catch myself doing now and promptly correct myself. Each time a new podcast is released, I get excited, especially as today's topic is taking care of myself, because I've still got a ways to go on this before I can get the other stuff right. <laughs> Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Keep doing what you're doing and love from Australia. XO Coralie. And I wrote back to Coralie and, and confirmed with her that it would be okay to share her story. Um, and she said, yes, uh, you know, passing it on. Uh, uh, and uh, because I'm sure that, you know, maybe you're a listener and this, this is your experience too. Or maybe this is an experience that you would like to have. And, and, you know, Coralie shows us that, wow, just, you know, five weeks in Al-Anon and, and a bunch of podcasts. That's amazing. I'm sure I was not anywhere near that coherent at five weeks into my Al-Anon program. So, um, that's amazing. Um, Absolutely. Any uh, other thoughts on, on her, uh, her sharing here? Well, I just love the, the, the passion that she has. Um, I think this could be called a newcomer share and they're always so empowering. Um, because at least for me, sometimes, um, it's hard for me to see how far I've come and it's always, it's always very inspiring. And I can also relate to, um, not having meetings, um, and relying on this podcast and how much of a blessing it is. Um, the work of you, Spencer, as well as other um, people in recovery who've started podcasts, because I think um, uh, it's one of the ways in which, um, you know, we say that there are meetings everywhere, but there, you know, there aren't sometimes, (laughs) and sometimes it's not with people's schedules, and this, this way, you know, technology has made that really, really possible at any time, the middle of the night, you know, it's not only literature that you can have with you. Like when you can't sleep, you can just actually turn on the voices of basically a meeting, you know, right there with you. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, uh, Candace commented on the website on episode 67, which I referred to earlier today. 
she says, I really love your episodes on step three. They speak to me and have really helped me to realize two things. One, that turning my will over to the care of a higher power makes step three new to me and doable. And two, that it is really my own program and I have to do the work every day, but at least I get to do it in my own way and in my own time. Um, and thanks, Candice. Absolutely. So we have another letter. Hello, Spencer. I'm an Al-Anon member who also listens to the Recovered podcast. They recently did an episode on drinking dreams, and I thought that could be a good topic from an Al-Anon perspective as well. I've had a few types of Al-Anon dreams. The first one is where one of my sober qualifiers starts drinking again. Another one is where I lash out against an active drinker in my life who is actively drinking in my dream. A third one is where I engage in healthy behavior that I specifically learned from Al-Anon. Sometimes the first and last types of, of dream are combined. For example, I recently had a dream where one of the sober qualifiers in my life started drinking again, and I set some boundaries in an attempt to detach with love. If you were to cover this topic on a future podcast, I would be happy to share via voicemail or perhaps even Skype in. I'm very grateful for all the work you do that makes this podcast happen. Best regards, Cara. Thanks, Cara. And I have a funny, funny story there because I was talking to Mark oh, some time ago about, about drinking dreams. And I said, yeah, I have drinking dreams. They're dreams in where my loved one drinks. And he's like, he, he was just flabbergasted that, that an Al-Anon might have a drinking dream. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah. And they're really, they're really sometimes really get me. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, thank God it's not true. Oh. <laughs> well, in a lot of ways, the, the obsession, I mean, the disease is the same. Yeah. It's just different behaviors. And so our obsession um, is just as, as strong, though I do. And I love, though, the way in which Kara is embodying these practices so intensely that they show up in dreams, yeah. you know, about yeah. setting boundaries and detaching with love. Yeah. I can't remember if I've ever done that in a dream. I, I'm next time I have one, I'll, I'll have to take closer notice. Uh, she definitely went into a little, a lot more depth than I've, I've thought about my drinking dreams. Um, you know, usually it's lucky the, her. Yeah, really, really. Uh, got an email from Christine. She says, this show has been my meeting in a car. It's the pre-meeting before driving to a meeting, and even though I can't share right at the moment, I always find what is bothering me is addressed in some way. I'm not sure how often you post new episodes, but there had not been one for October yet, and I'm worried that changes caused the show to stall. I hope not just because you provide valuable help to those of us who need to breathe Al-Anon because of life becoming unmanageable, and even though I've been in the program for a lot of years, when life starts changing again, I need it just like the first day I walked into the rooms. Thank you, Christine. And that email came in, I think, as I was, in fact, working on um, editing the last episode to, to post it. So it was kind of timely. Um, I do try to put them up just, uh, I'm sure others of you out there besides Christine are wondering, I, I try to put them up weekly, usually Monday evening. Um, I generally record it sometime on the weekend and, uh, and Monday, edit it on Monday and get it up late Monday evening or sometimes really early Tuesday morning. Occasionally, I'm off that schedule. Uh, and uh, um, and actually, coming up um, 
My wife's going to be having surgery around the end of October. That will probably affect my ability to um, do the podcast on a timely basis for a week or so. So just a little advance warning. Um, and uh, Thanks we, for that, Spencer. Yeah. Um, we got a voicemail from Akila. Hi, Spencer. This is Akila. I'm calling about the Tradition 10 episodes. Um, just special to this section on the Tradition. And I wanted to say, um, Ruth really nailed it. She said, whenever I hear that Tradition, I automatically think, mind my own business. And, you know, in my personal life, I had an example where I had a friend who told me she was, um, but she was going to buy alcohol because it was a grocery item. And I really had a strong opinion on that, but it wasn't my business, so I didn't say anything. I wish that's taking me back to what's my primary purpose, and it's to be a good friend, and one of the things I've learned is when to keep my mouth shut. Again, echoing Tradition 10 is about minding our own business uh, and what's important to us. Um, any thoughts on that, Mara? So um, my only thought was that I can't wait for her to call back and see what she's going to say next time she leaves a message. She always has such great things to say. She does. And and I'm looking forward to having her as a co-host sometime in the near future. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a few ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Christine, Alice, and Carol did. Thanks again uh, to Christine, Alice, and Carol. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. If you click on the books link at the top of the page, you can order these books from Amazon or from some of them directly from Al-Anon. And the, the Amazon ones, if you click on the link on our website uh, and when you order, we receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of these links or on the Donate by Shopping link on, on every page, uh, we could, we'll get a, a small commission. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps to keep us going. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's listening to us, telling your friends, uh, we are here for you. The last song I picked for this uh Another uh, sort of lost trust uh, song, I guess, uh, Suspicious Minds, which some of you may be familiar with the version by Elvis, but I picked the one performed by Fine Young Cannibals. And you can listen to that at the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 91. Yeah, this is a song about uh, sort of a lack of trust destroying a relationship. Maybe this should have come at the beginning instead of the end, but hey, here we are. <laughs> Some of the lyrics, why can't you see what you're doing to me when you don't believe a word I say? We can't go on together with suspicious minds, and we can't build our dreams on suspicious minds. Well, thanks for that, Spencer. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.